BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Blogging Theology. Today, we're happy to speak to Dr. Safarok Chowdhury. How are you, Akhi Saf? Good to have you back again. Assalamu alaikum, Akhi. Good to see you. Beaming smile. The happy Alvi. Saf studied philosophy at King's College London and completed it with the accompanying Associate of King's College Award. He then traveled to Cairo, studying the traditional Islamic studies curricula at Al-Azhar University. He returned to the UK to complete his master's at SOAS University with distinction. Saf's most recent book is entitled Islamic Theology and the Problem of Evil, published by AUC Press, which is the first work in Islamic studies to treat the topic within the analytic theology approach. Saf is currently lead researcher on the project Beyond Foundationalism, New Horizons in Muslim Analytic Theology, which is funded under a John Templeton Foundation grant award in association with Cambridge Muslim College and Aziz Foundation. Saf runs the website islamicanalytictheology.org on the senior editorial board of the Journal of Islamic Philosophy and his academic work can be found on his academia page and inshallah we'll be linking to all this in the description box below now as Muslims we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect us and judge us for how we lived our lives in this dunya the polytheists of Mecca denied the resurrection. Uh, they expressed amazement at the Qur'an's message about the resurrection and argued as to how can we live again? How can we live new lives after having died and turned into dust? Likewise, there are some philosophers who try to pose rational objections against the idea of bodily resurrection. Um, their criticisms touch upon different topics like the nature of resurrection. Is it only spiritual or physical or both? And different theories related to identity and personhood. And Saf, mashallah, has done the hard work of surveying the philosophical literature on this topic. Uh, and uh, in addition to the statements of Muslim theologians, and he will try to summarize the different stances held out there 
and help direct us to what is more uh, Islamically compatible from among the different views. Now, this topic is quite philosophically dense compared to most of our blogging theology presentations. So we highly encourage the listeners to pay close attention if they wish to grasp and digest the presentation properly. Uh, the presentation will start off light, but will become more complex and dense as we move along. Um, now, with that said, Akhisaf, whenever you're ready, you may start your presentation. Shukran, Akhi. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa la wa ba'd. Again, it's it's you know it's, it's a delight and pleasure to be invited on Assam again to be with you, um, and may Allah bless the work that you do. Um, and it's really been a, 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 a BT has been an important resource. I think for Muslims, um, it seems to be the first point of call for people to come to know about uh, matters of their deen um, and and more and much more. Um, but it, and 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 this is really proven to be beneficial. May Allah preserve you all and 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 bless the team and give you barakah in your work. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Okay, I think I can I've shared the screen, so hopefully you can see it. I can, I can. The topic I've given is yeah, okay, brilliant. The the topic I've given is bodily resurrection in Islamic theology and philosophy. I thought I'd keep the title simple. Sometimes I go for cheeky titles, but we will keep it simple today. Let me just sketch what we're hope hopefully going to be covering. So I want to talk about some preliminaries um, that's related to the, the the sort of preliminaries about resurrection within the Islamic scriptural references, either Kitab and the Sunnah. Then I, I'm going to go on to looking at some explorations of resurrections from a theological and then sort of what are the theological and philosophical questions. Then I'm going to go into, I think, what you alluded to, some of the, the complex aspects of the presentation which is the metaphysical background and i think if our viewers bear with the metaphysics a bit they'll find it rewarding and then we'll look at some islamic views on resurrection by which i mean the theological views from within the broadly the sunni tradition but you'll find the same views in the kalam traditions of um you know the shi'i and and, and other traditions and then i'll make some concluding remarks uh, which I think are worth taking away or thinking about anyway. So that's a sort of sketch. We'll, we'll cover those sort of five um, sort of areas. So going on to the preliminaries. So here I want to talk about the following points. I want to talk about what is what are the components of resurrection that make up the doctrine of resurrection. Resurrection as an article of faith. Is part of our iman. Um, bodily resurrection, what is that? The necessity of resurrection. Why do why do we need resurrections? Or as we'll see how the ulama, the scholars outlined, what what is the what are the sort of wisdoms behind the the hikam behind um a you know resurrection being the case. Then I want to look at what is the why the necessity of bodily resurrection and then bodily sameness. So all these are going to fall under sort of a kind of scriptural sketch. And then we're going to get into the metaphysics. So I want to 
So if so, the reason why I'm putting it like this is that in case the metaphysics is you know people find it difficult to sort of follow. Hopefully, just a scriptural snapshot would give you an idea of what resurrection is about and what the main discussions are. So that's sort of a kind of self-contained aspect of the of the presentation. Okay, so feel free to interrupt at any time um, as we go along. So the first part of this uh, segment of the presentation, the scriptural investigation, is one of the components. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Of the doctrine of resurrection. Or um, hasharul ajsad. The, 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 the gathering of bodies on the day of judgment. There's clearly, as, I, as far as I... I can see, and, and this is open to, of course, you know, an analysis and, 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 and investigation. Resurrection requires embodiment. What I mean by that is that the, from Scripture, from Kitab and Sunnah, we're told that we are going to be resurrected as bodies. So there's going to be an embodiment. Okay, then related to embodiment, I've put in bold, this is where the contention arises within the Islamic theological works, the books of uh, creed. Is the embodiment what we call identical embodiment? What that means is the the life that, that we are going to have in the Akhirah, that body that we're going to have in the Akhirah, in, in Yom Al-Qiyamah, is that and numerically the same body as I, I have in my dunya? So the body that I had in the dunya, in this world, the temporal world that I'm living now, is it the exact same body that we'll have in the hereafter, in Yom Al-Qiyamah? That's called identical embodiment. The fact that we are going to be resurrected in bodily fashion, that's taken. But is it my same, is it the, the identical body? The other aspect of a resurrection is to do with identity. So what, um, so again, this links to identical embodiment, but here identity is, is about, me in the temporal world, in the dunya, is that the same me in the akhirah? Mm. So the way I exist on earth with my body, will I be that same person in the akhirah? And we're going to look at personhood later under the metaphysics section. Lastly, as I see it, the, the other component of the doctrine of resurrection is this is an act of Allah Azza wa Jal beyond natural explanation. How resurrection takes place, you know, this is purely by the power of Allah Azza wa Jal. And so it's a miracle in that sense. It's beyond any kind of scientific explanation. Although in the literature you find some physicists trying to explain how resurrection could take place according to the frameworks of physics. But Actually, you know, this is this isn't this doesn't obey physical laws. So those are the four components, as I see it, of the doctrine of resurrection that are going to now be unpacked as we go along.
So embodiment, we have some kind of bodily life after our death. Is it the same body, what we call identical embodiment? Are we the same person? Does our, our identity carry are who we are? Does it carry um, from the dunya to the akhirah, from this world to the next world? And the question of resurrection being a miracle. One of the greatest acts of Allah, as feats of Allah, and that is inexplicable. Now, as we said, this is an article of faith. And those of, of, of us, you know, who've, who've studied sort of some basic mutun or texts and aqidah will know that this is the ma'ad, the, the, the afterlife is a fundamental doctrine, denial of which leads to kufr. Denial of bodily resurrection, denial of the afterlife in general, of course, is, is kufr, is disbelief. So one forfeits the iman if they deny this. And this is uh, those many who've studied philosophy or, or theology will know that this was one of the contentions of Hujjat al Islam, Imam al Ghazali, against the philosophers. This is one of his points of um, takfir or excommunicating philosophers for denying bodily resurrection. So, uh, belief, belief in the resurrection is one of the cardinal doctrines of Islam. Denial of it is kufr because it's part of the afterlife realities. And the other point is that theology makes very little sense unless there is some ultimate end or existence beyond this dunya. Much of, much of theology, you, we can't understand the bigger picture unless we understand that there's an afterlife in which all sentient creatures will be raised up again. And then obviously creatures in the Islamic tradition, creatures that have moral properties because they have moral freedom, like insan and jinn, human and jinn, they will be held accountable by Allah Azza wa Jal in the hereafter. Oops. So it's an article of faith. Now, what we find in the Qur'an, and in many, many verses, and I don't have time to go over that, although I, uh, you know, I, if, people want, if want, people want material, you know, I can provide, inshallah, some material. You know, we can see that resurrection quite clearly is a kind of physical resurrection. So Allah mentions in the Qur'an, Allahu la ilaha illa huwa layajma'annakum ila yawmul qiyama la rayba fihi. So Allah says in the Quran, there is no deity except He, Subhanahu wa Taala, and Allah will certainly layjma'annakum. He will certainly gather all of you on the day of judgment, of which there is no doubt. And who is more truthful than Allah in speech? So here, Allah gathering us up on the day of judgment is is a physical resurrection. Okay, then we have, for example, in Surah Al-Qiyamah, Allah asks rhetorically, do we think, do people think that we can't reassemble their bones? Reassemble their bones. Of surety we can. We are capable of restoring their very fingertips. Again, I just quote this verse just to show you that this physical resurrection, Allah is referring to bones and fingertips. So we see scripture makes lots and lots of references to a physical 
um, a physical resurrection. And then one of the most extensive verses about um, Allah showing how um, making a comparison that, you know, the way Allah revives barren land or the way that Allah created us in our in, in our mother's wombs, if he was able to do that once, he can do it again. Or he's giving us analogies like just how barren land is revived and sprouts new herbage or plants. Similarly, human beings will be raised up from the ground. Um, so, and then the verse clearly talks about resurrection. Yeah, O humanity, if you are in doubt about the resurrection, Oh, humanity, if you're in doubt about the resurrection, then know for sure that we did create you from dust and then from a sperm drop and then we molded you into a kind of a clot-like thing, then a lump of flesh, um, and then we you know, fully formed and unformed to demonstrate our, our power to you. Then we settle whatever embryo we will in the womb of any appointed term. And then we bring forth, bring you forth as infants so you may reach your prime. Some of you may die young, but others are left to reach the most feeble stage of life so that, so that they may know nothing after having known much. And you see the earth lifeless. But as soon as we send down rain upon the earth, it begins, whoops, it begins to sprout or begins to stir to life and swell producing every type of pleasant plant. So Allah gives us two examples of, look, I'm not, Allah's not getting us to think about the afterlife because the aql can't reach there, the intellect can't reach there, it can't sense the afterlife. It's a ghayb, it's a matter of the unseen. But Allah gives us some way of um, looking at the sensible world and coming to some kind of um, uh, inference that, look, it's possible that resurrection takes place because one, God created us already once, he can do it again, and look at the earth when it's barren, it sprouts life after being revived. Similarly, when we die, we are going to be, we are going to sprout out of our graves again and be revived. So this kind of analogy that Allah wants to bring to, to us, and it's beautiful and I can't go, go into it. Um, I wish I could have time. How the Quran brings arguments for resurrection um, without being philosophical at all. Purely out of the beauty and the power of language and and, and uh, the rhetorical power. Okay. So we covered then so far under sort of the scriptural uh, um, sort of sketch that resurrection has certain components. Resurrection is physical. Uh, it's an article of faith. It's physical. And then why now? Why is resurrection necessary? Why why do we believe in this doctrine? What are some of the arguments given for why resurrection um, is necessary? Some responses are, in case our, our readers are wondering what the Arabic text is on, on, on the side, this is just a creedal manual from Imam Ibn Juzay al-Kelbi from Granada from in South Spain. 
in Al-Andalus, um, he wrote a book on Creed called Anur al-Mubin, one of my favorite books um, on Creed, and it's brilliant. Um, it really is lucid, and if anyone has time, they should study that that, that book. Okay, so why, re- why is resurrection necessary? One is, one possible reason is to settle worldly differences. So we cannot, this temporal world is not sufficient to settle all disputes. So we require an afterlife in which all matters will come to their final settlement. So the world is not sufficient. The world is not enough, according to one on the title of a Bonner film, but the world is not enough, right? So we need the, the afterlife in order to go the complete arc and settle all differences and disputes. In um, Second, why is resurrection necessary? Again, many, many more arguments can be given. I've just given three as a, as a flavor to recompense creaturely deeds or acts. So good is rewarded with good and bad is met with hell. So those who are rewarded with good will be put in Jannah. Those who are, uh, whose recompense is for bad deeds, there's only one other destination and that's the hellfire. So there must be an ultimate reckoning, an ultimate hisab, an ultimate recompense. Thirdly, um, this is kind of epistemological as well. Resurrection allows us, and then the final reckoning after resurrection, this allows us to know who really is successful and who really is unsuccessful in the greater scheme of things. Because we might see some people in this world and think, wow, they've got it good. They've got it good materially. But that doesn't necessarily translate as being um, successful in the ukhrawi sense, in the afterlife sense. So they may be getting away with things now, but maybe they've, they've, got, they've jeopardized their afterlife as a result. So by having a, an afterlife and a resurrection and an ultimate reckoning, we may be able to, we, we will come to know who really is successful in the ultimate sense and who was merely successful in the relative sense. So these are just some reasons why resurrection is necessary. We, it's a way um, to now finalize and settle all differences recompense creaturely deeds and then to know who is really um in salvific safety and who is in salvific jeopardy okay now why bodily resurrection then why bodily resurrection before we look at hadith the actual text itself let me make the point one of the reasons why it's um uh, why bodily resurrection is necessary according to scripture is um, we need to, the argument goes like, the thought goes like this, or the consideration, the ethical consideration is this. Now, anything that we do in this temporal world, any acts that we do, we're, go- we're going to be recompensed for it, as I, as I alluded to. Any bad acts we do, we're going to be held, we're going to be morally accountable for our acts because we're mukallafin, we are legally, morally responsible agents. Now, in order for our moral accountability in the hereafter, when we're resurrected, to be fair, um, and in order for it to be fair, the very body that did the acts 
the very body that did the acts, the very limbs belonging to the body that did the bad acts, it must be those very same bodily limbs. It cannot be someone else's. Um, and so... They'll be testifying, wouldn't they? Absolutely. And this is what I'm going to mention about the hadith, exactly. So, and incidentally, many, many ulama mentioned that um, the, the references to the testification of the limbs, there's no reason to not take them literally. There's no reason not to take them literally. Meaning that they will be made to speak. So in a hadith here, it mentions that the Prophet wasallam from Anas ibn Malik radiallahu an. Um, he says, um, we were in the company of the Messenger of Allah when he smiled and said, do you know why I laughed? And then the companions replied, Allah and his Messenger know best. And then the Prophet said, it was because there came to my mind the conversation between the servant would have with his Lord on the Day of Judgment. He would say, my Lord, have you not guaranteed me protection against injustice? Allah will reply, of course, yes. Then the servant would say, I do not deem valid any witness against me but my own self. And he would say, well, enough will be the witness of yourself against you and that of the two angels who had been appointed to record your deeds. Then the seal will be put upon his mouth, on this individual's mouth, and it will be said to his hands and feet, his hands and feet, to speak, and they would speak of his deeds. His hands and feet will speak of his deeds. Then the mouth will be made free to talk, and it would say, so his mouth would say to the hands and feet, be away, let there be God's curse on you. It was for your safety that I contended. So if we look at the Arabic, so it mentions here, and I've underlined it, فَيُخْتَمُ عَلَى فِيهِ فَيُقَالِ أَرْكَانِهِ إِنْتَقِي So his limbs will be told to say, speak, إِنْتَقِي And then, فَتَنْتِقُ بِأَعْمَالِهِ So, you know, and then the, the, the limbs will testify. So the point is here from this hadith, and many, many other hadith like this, is that it's the limbs belonging to that individual, the mouth of that individual, and the... um the arms and legs that did the actions in this in this temporal world, those limbs will testify. Now, if it was anyone else's limbs, then this will create a sort of um, an ethical sort of conundrum. It wouldn't make sense to say his limbs will testify on the day of judgment or his limbs will be made to, to testify according to the scripture. So this is why there's an ethical consideration about the body belonging uh, the body that we're resurrected with is our very own body. Finally, to sort of sketch the scriptural sort of point, is that the um, uh, so the, the the what seems to be the case from the hadith, maybe not from the Quran, and this is what I'm when I get into the next section, I'll open it up. It seems to be from the hadith and 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 many other reports, and inferred from many other reports, is that. Um, bodily sameness or at least um, there has to be some bodily continuity between the earthly dunyawi body and the resurrected ukhrawi body so and I'm going to obviously go into which one then is the orthodox one but from the hadith we can see one interesting suggestion 
which is um, there must be some kind of bodily continuity between both both bodies. There must be a continuity between both bodies. The pre-mortem, the body before we die, and the post-mortem, the body after we are re- resurrected. Now, according to the Hadith, how do we maintain this bodily sameness from the dunya, from the world, temporal world to the hereafter? And here, the suggestion seems to be from one of the Hadith is we all have an indestructible bone. The ajba dhanbin. An indestructible bone. And it will be from this indestructible bone, this material structure, that we will be recreated. And so um, we could state that a per- RB1, resurrected body view one, a person's resurrected body will consist of some kind of indestructible core which remains numerically the same core, i.e. that very same bone will, will remain and persist, from which a person will now be, um, that becomes the matter from which a person will now be resurrected on Yom Al-Qiyamah. So that seems to be a suggestion from the Hadith, that how do we maintain the same body? Well, there's going to be an indestructible core. And this is the coccyx or the tailbone. And uh, so, uh, so the hadith says everything of the human body will decay. So according to the hadith, everything of the human body will decay except this tailbone. And from that bone, Allah will reconstruct the whole body. So we've got the continuity of material stuff. And that's what I'm going to go into a bit when we do the metaphysics. Mm. So just to sort of round this, oops, sorry, just to sort of round this bit off, it seems to be from the scripture, it seems to be from the scripture that um, we see that resurrection is an article of faith, denial of it is disbelief. That 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 is um absolutely clear. There is no doubt in that. Scripture seems to give us re- reason, or there, there seem to be reasons why. Resurrection is a necessary doctrine. And then resurrection seems to be physical from the Quran. And then I've just given an example from the Hadith. So it looks like scripturally, scripturally, from our references, resurrection is entirely physical. Mm. I.e. that seems to be one of the defining features of resurrection. So it's bodily, it's physical. So that's the kind of scriptural component of the presentation. Mm. That is a a small little self-contained aspect. So if, if folks feel the next bit that we're going to go into is, is complex, this is a kind of snapshot, as I see it, mm. of, of, of bodily resurrection. Uh, okay. So now, moving on from the scriptural sketch, um, we're, get, we're going to now sort of delve into some of the theological and philosophical sort of um, questions. So we're going a bit higher in the precipitous, uh, in, in, you know, in, we're going upwards a bit now. We're ascending a bit. Okay, so when we look at the, the Islamic theological um, sort of larger manuals of theology, whether they are commentaries on books of creed or or just statements of theology, um, we get the following theological and philosophical questions, as I see it. As, as I'm reading it, 
we we get theological questions like the following what is the nature of resurrection is it bodily or is there more what 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 is its exact mode what is the orthodox model of a resurrection what exact is there one right account of of resurrection bodily resurrection that is and then the other question theological question is is bodily resurrection even possible is it logically possible then the philosophical questions surround um and i'm using contemporary language philosophical language questions around what what is a person hmm. what is it exactly that's going to be resurrected if we're persons if we're ashkhas if we're persons then what kinds of persons are we we need to have a look at that um and then there's the issue of what we call personal identity how do i remain the same person from one moment to another especially from one world to another world and especially if there's a gap between my temporal existence and my afterlife existence is there a gap and this is what we call gapy existence or tahallul is there a, an intermittent is there a sort of um is there a kind of wedge between my temporal existence and my or an intervention between my temporal existence and my uh afterlife existence and then i want to look at a bit um the some of the problems raised regarding physicalist specifically physicalist accounts of bodily resurrection because that's where a lot of the discussion is around okay this is this looks great uh, saf uh, i think here um, yeah. it would be it would be probably nice to maybe remind our listeners i can imagine some of our listeners probably saying to themselves why are we diving into all this stuff you know oh. um, uh, what's the point okay thank you for sharing the you know hadith and the, and the ayat in the previous section but you're diving into identity now and personhood why did our classical scholars dive into this stuff what prompted them to it would be good to maybe maybe remind people you know why we're why we're discussing this that you know is this purely intellectual curiosity and exploration or is this done for a reason uh, uh, i would like to get your thoughts on that ah okay actually no Sam, you you raise a good you raise a good question you know those this topic of resurrection relative to you know discussions about natural theology like you know proofs of Allah's existence, um, and questions around the divine attributes, the sifat of Allah, and um, broadly divine providence, so Allah's decree and, and, and predestination of all things, al-qadha wal-qadr. These topics, resurrection relative to those, is actually quite, um, uh, it's quite sparse. So ulama relative to those topics didn't really discuss this in that that much detail so that's the first point i think i want to that you, th th there isn't much discussion around this compared to those topics that i just mentioned um secondly i think as with anyone engaged in theology um the re resurrection falls under what we call samiyat these are matters of revelation so we take it on the authority of revelation. And that's not ir irrational. That's not, you know, 
unintellectual. In fact, that's a very rational thing. Once you know the foundations of your creed are based on 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 reason, um, you know that whatever now, for example, the Quran mentions, you know, is sufficient for it to be true. So taking it on the Quranic authority is not is not is not um, is not a lack. It's not leaving your senses. It's actually a rational thing. So this for this topic of resurrection falls under samiyat or mm. revelatory matters, mm. and so often ulama didn't need to um, involve the mind so heavily in mm. in matters like they did with the divine attributes and natural theology and free will and things like that. Mm. The other thing is that um, one. Anyone engaged in sort of uh, apologetics like the scholars of Kalam were, and non-Kalam scholars, all they needed to show to dispel doubts was that the doctrine of resurrection, it wasn't incoherent, Mm. it wasn't illogical. There's some arguments we can give, rational arguments, just to sort of get a grip and handle of, um, you know, the, the, the cogency and the coherence of the doctrine. So that's why I think Looking at these, hopefully, some of these sort of philosophical background, we can see that resurrection is not this, um, though we ultimately take it on authority because it's about matters of the afterlife, really, really, it's, 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 we're, showing, we're trying to show that there is conceivability around it. There's a rational conceivability about it. And this is what Ghazali tried to do in his Tahafatul uh, Philosopher, his attack on, on the philosophers for denying bodily resurrection. He tries to show no that on philosophical principles, this this is this is coherent doctrine. There's nothing philosophically objectionable. And so is it necessary? I don't want to preempt some of my concluding points, but mm. is it absolutely necessary to delve into this? Not really. No. <laughs> Not really, but there are ways that we can elucidate and shed light on it that gives it some kind of crispness and clarity. Mm. And I think that could be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, again, you know, uh, so it, it, obviously it's not necessary for for people's iman. Absolutely not. Uh, but at the same uh, time, it, it's it's a collective duty of the scholars uh, to ensure that uh, if they know that there are people out there um, uh, critiquing things that we believe, then they must yes. ensure that the Muslims have access to responses to those critiques. Absolutely. And so, Absolutely. if you are a Muslim that is exposed to these arguments and are troubled by them, alhamdulillah, rest assured to know that, you know, there are responses to them that you could yeah. access. And the idea of having this session on blogging theology is to make it even more accessible uh, to yeah, the Muslims. So may Allah reward you for that. And Allah yeah, so I just kind of want to remind the listeners about why, yeah, we're, I think so. why we're doing this and that we're not just, you know, uh, doing this for purely for, you know, as an yeah. exercise, but there is a benefit behind it. For, for Absolutely, those, for and those I think want to benefit from it and need to benefit. No, Jazakallah khairan for reminding us, and and I think, you know, again, some of this, yes, it, it, some of this sort of um, the metaphysics we're about to go into now is, you know, in sort of very much sort of, of analytic metaphysics. So again, I, I just want to reassure the viewers that if you feel it's not your cup of tea, that's fine. I mean, you know, ultimately, it is taken on the authority of, of, the, of the Quran. And um, uh, uh, ultimately, if Allah Azza wa Jal is essentially, you know, maximally powerful, then He can bring about He can bring about resurrection. I mean, 
he created the cosmos out of nothing. So resurrection is not a, a feat comparable to that. So mm. ultimately that is the authority. But again, for sometimes solidifying the conviction or just, you know, you know, sort of adding some additional layer uh, you know, of of sort of comprehension to the doctrine. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, through through this, it might be helpful. It might okay. be helpful. Okay. So, the nature of resurrection. Resurrection, we know, as I mentioned, is a is a fundamental article of Islam, of the Islamic aqidah. Denial of it, it leads to kufr. But um, the Quran, um, you know. As let, the nature is physical, we mentioned, but the metaphysics of it, of course, the Quran doesn't, that's not, it's not a book of metaphysics. So it's not going to give you a metaphysical account of the resurrection. Um, but so, so the first sort of philosophical thing to think about is, or theological question to think about is, what is the nature of resurrection? The nature of resurrection is bodily and it's not merely spiritual. See, so in Sunni tradition, we don't say resurrection is just a spiritual thing. Um, this is actually not, this is viewed that that's not accepted at all. Um, it's rejected. So the Aqidah books, the creedal manuals suggest or assume that humans are embodied corporeal beings. We're a unified composite of, so it seems to be, some kind of body, a matter, a lump of matter, and some kind of non-material stuff as well. Um, and so... It seems to be that our body, there is a body and sort of soul composite. Um, so we are an, an embodied uh, entity and not really a disembodied soul. But we're going to get into this a bit. Um, just know for, for, the, for the time being that resurrection is primarily bodily and not spiritual. That's not accepted in Islam. Um but what kind of nature of that embodiment resurrection is, we're going to look at that now. We're going to look at that now. Okay, so I'm going to go through some models and stop me if it gets a bit too um, entangling. So I'm going to go through what I see are possible orthodox models of resurrection. So resurrection could take the following form, what I've called resuscitation. This account says that an earthly body is born. Let's say my body, my body dies, my earthly body dies and is buried in, in the cupboard, wherever the cupboard is. Um, at some later time, as mentioned in the Quran, the grave will open and the corpse is going to be raised from the grave and Allah will resuscitate or bring that corpse back to life. He will reanimate it or resuscitate it. Now, is this a orthodox model of resurrection? I mean, definitely that's that's one view. An another view, and this is oops, another view which you find quite um, common in 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 the books of Aqidah, is this idea of um, resurrection as reassembly. You got parts that break up, then you put it together again. It's a bit like let's say this watch. You know, I took it apart. I took the strap off, you know, the hands, uh, and then things like that. And then I put them back together, back together again. I reassemble the watch. 
So this account of resurrection says an earthly body is born, the earthly body dies and disintegrates, disintegrates. After death, a person's body survives death in the knowledge of Allah, and Allah brings the different, you know, bits of that body from wherever it is. In if, Allah, Allah retains in His Allah knows in His knowledge where the bits and what bits are that made up the body, and then Allah reassembles a body on Yom Al Qiyamah based on His knowledge. So the way I, I give an example is, so let's just say um, you got a file on a computer and you copy it to a USB key and you download it. Then you take it to another laptop or a computer and you upload it there. You've uploaded the original document, right, onto a new computer. It's like that. The Allah reassembles every everybody on the day of resurrection based on his knowledge. Even if those bits weren't there anymore, it's based on his knowledge. Um I find reassembly. So use the language of encoding and decoding. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. The point is, Allah reassembles all bodies on Yom Al Qiyamah based on His knowledge, because He has knowledge on, of of how everything is created, all the bits and what parts, and He has knowledge of all the, as the philosophers say, particulars. He has knowledge of all the particulars. That's called reassembly. So Allah puts together everybody on Yom Al Qiyamah based on His knowledge. I find then the you've got. I, oh, sorry, I find go the reassembly one to be clear, but with resuscitation, mm. um, you know, usually uh, we're, uh, in in I don't know philosophical or theological discourse, mm. usually resuscitation is contrasted with resurrection. Um, but what's interesting here is that you are considering it a form of resurrection. So, like resuscitation that we're maybe accustomed to is. You know, someone drowned, and then you're performing CPR. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, he didn't resurrect from this apparent death, but, you know, you, you resuscitated him, and he kind of came back to life, right? So it's kind of, a, it's kind of uh, understood as some, something very short-term uh, in the sense that the body did not decompose. The body is kind of still there. He was clinically dead, perhaps, for a, mm. a, a few seconds or a minute or so. He was just brought back to life. Um, uh, whereas that's contrasted with resurrection, where it's kind of permanent in the dunya, that yeah. we count this person to have died in the dunya. He's dead. Um, and the resurrection is only kind of brought up. So so here, when you're for the first one, it, it's... It seems very general here. Uh, you're, yep, you're, yep. Saying, you're saying he brings the corpse back to life. That seems very general. It, it seems that even reassembly could come under that, right? What, what do you have in mind exactly for resuscitation? Well, I, well, the other that's why the other word that I use is reanimation. So, in other words, there was. Um, it seems to be in in the Quran. We die in our graves. We get raised up from our graves again. Mm. Essentially, that's what happens. We die, then we get raised up again. Mm. Um, but the, the, what the body that's raised up is not some zombie, is it? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It's an it's it's us. We're reanimated. We are. We're, you know, we're we're back to life again. Now, whether that reanimation involves a soul returning to that body or the restoration of some kind of um, uh, power again, power of life again in us, secret of life, whatever it is, 
that that's that's in, in the details. But what I had the reason why I called it resuscitation and reanimation is that is this a literal Quranic view? This is why I put it there. Hmm. Is it a naive view? I is this what it seems like on the surface? And we're reading it off from the surface of, of, of the Quranic verses. Um because it because it seems to me that definitely the Quran indicates some kind of death, then you're brought back alive again. That brought being brought back alive again is the kind of maybe there is a better word to use than resuscitation. But I get the medical connotation with it mm. that there is a short lapse and then you're brought back to life again on some kind of table, operating table, or wherever it is. Mm. But yeah, yeah. I, in, if so, people so, so it yeah. seems it seems pretty general in the sense that you're not diving into how he's being brought back to life. Uh, uh, so you're keeping that vague. You're not, you're not, you're not touching upon that like how you are in reassembly. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I would say that maybe the first one is a bit more generic, right? Like the definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's an, yeah. yeah, that's why I've called because, it naive. Because obviously, even even, even under your resuscitation model, you are still presuming that the body did dis disintegrate. Obviously, you're not you're not yeah, assuming or, that the body. Or, yeah, all, all for all. Yeah, even yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even if you know there, there might be an assumption of it disintegrating, um, you know, with the exception of the prophets and, of course, and, 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 the and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there will be an assumption. But even without the assumption of disintegration, mm. i.e., all your bits spreading around, mm -hmm. you know, in the cosmos or wherever, you could have resuscitation without that assumption of in total annihilation, because we're going to see annihilation. Is one view amongst some of the the more amongst some Mu'tazila that Allah obliterates mm. everything, mm. totally annihilates them. Mm. Then He brings everything back into a new creation. Mm. Mm. Now, resuscitation doesn't assume that that there's an annihilation that takes place. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You see, a lot of these don't actually assume annihilation. Mm. Very good. So, yeah, I mean, definitely there's the shades of nuance. Resuscitation, I guess, I was trying to say right. On a literal, simple reading of scripture, mm. what could I call it? Mm -hmm. Reanimation, resuscitation. We could, if people got a better idea, uh, our viewers, it'd be great to, to put that in, in maybe in the comments. Um, but that was my thinking behind it. Okay. Now, going on to the third model, the replication model. This says that um, an earthly body is born, earthly body dies and disintegrates and discontinues. But on Resurrection Day, on Yawm al-Qiyamah, um, Allah arranges up whatever the atomic stuff is that makes up the body, whatever stuff, material stuff, is required to make the body. And then Allah creates a replica of that body, a replica of your body. So it's not your body, but it's gone. Ah. Allah's okay. made a replica of it, a mithil. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So not all so the this, atoms, yeah. not the exact blueprint like in the reassembly, but no, some yes. atoms. Okay, this is a new. This mm. is a, a, a this is a copy of your a copy paste, like a copy paste. Yeah, yeah, a copy paste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So is this a classical orthodox view? Possibly, mm. because you know, uh, as we'll see, you know, some for some for some ulama, anybody will do. Um, mm. Okay, so this is replication, copy. Yeah, and, then and, that, and this could also this could this could also mean copying your memory into this new body, sure. and here, and yeah. therefore your hand and your limbs could testify could still testify because it has the memory and therefore still a credible 
witness and testimony. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is what I'm saying. They can't be dis- can't be discounted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, someone. There's ways to reconcile it with these models. This is why I left it as models of, mm-hmm. of re- resurrection. Mm-hmm. Then we've got recreation, which is a bit similar to reassembly. So this says um, an earthly body is born, earthly body dies, and is annihilated, annihilated, mm-hmm. bloom, obliterated out of existence. Mm-hmm. There's no more wujud. It mm-hmm. becomes ma'adum. Along with the coming right? Even with the with the huh? everything. 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 Okay. Absolute annihilation. It ceases to exist. There's a cessation of existence. Then on Yawm al-Qiyamah, Allah recreates everybody anew. Similar, similar to or identical to the pre-annihilation body. Mm. Can you see the difference between reassembly and recreation? Yeah, clear. Clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so... So that's recreation. Um, so annihilation here is the point. Then finally, the orthodox model that I'm saying um, is a, a possible is <coughs> an earthly. Excuse me, an earthly body is born, and that body has a ruh put in it, in soul. The earthly body decays and rots and disintegrates, and the soul. The soul separates from the body. After death, the soul is the thing that survives. Mm. And then on resurrection day, Allah reunites that body or any body, let's say it's that that body, with that soul again. Mm. So a reunification with a body. Now that body could be the actual physical body that the person mm. had in the dunya or some other replication or mm. some other recreated one or whatever mm. it might be. Yeah. So this could this could this could overlap with the previous it models. It could, yeah. So I want our viewers just to seize that nuance. So this the soul survives the body mm. and then on one view, the very same body is created again, and then the soul reunites, or any body is created and the soul reunites. Whatever the body is, the ir- ir- irrelevant thing here. Really, the main thing is the soul is put back into a body. Mm-hmm. Now, which model is orthodox, and which is heterodox? Is there a minimum set of conditions for an orthodox model of resurrection? Mm. In my humble opinion, any one of these is valid. But don't you think you the anni- don't you think the annihilationism one? would reject a oh yeah that for the sunnis definitely the annihilation becomes you know sort of problematic so because it's because i guess it's unwarrantingly rejecting a sahih hadith about the cockex stone right like because it's talking about everything um but i there's yeah. material continuity scripture seems to say there is some material transferal from the temporal world to the but annihilation says because if you also yeah i mean because if you also think about it i mean look annihilationism would include body and soul right well on this view yeah the recreation because it's a physicalist doctrine Uh there is no there is no um spiritual substance called the soul Mm. Mm. it's a physicalist account all these are pretty much physicalist apart from the reunification model and that's what I'm going to go into a bit later. So all, all I want our viewers to understand is that 
if someone says, okay, so resurrection, okay. what do you mean now by resurrection? Do you mean reanimation or resuscitation? Do you mean reassembly? Mm. Do you mean replication? Yeah. Do you yeah, mean so we're not commenting on the soul here? So we're assuming no. the soul exists and yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, someone who adopts the annihilationism view, yeah. he, he's not saying that the soul is being annihilated as well. He's just talking about the body. Depending on what view you see, as I'm going to go into and talk about what kind of idea of person do you have, and then you can uh -huh. go back to which model uh -huh. to fit it in. Yeah, yeah, it could be on the recreate. The, the recreation model you might hold to a physical theory of the soul uh, uh, you don't believe a soul you don't believe is a, a separate substance that is spiritual uh, that is the the bearer of your personal identity uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. um but on a recreation model you could believe that everything gets annihilated apart from the soul mm, 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 mm. and then the soul is just brought into contact with the newly created body that will just give you this reunification reunification yeah that's what yeah. i was thinking right because when i saw the reunification one it's making me now think whether these views held separately um yeah but uh, i yeah uh it's just making me feel that uh putting reunification as a separate option makes it seem like those that may hold these separately without reunification yeah. or, or would come across as pure physicalist definitely um, for mm, sure mm. yeah 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 they're largely if not entirely physicalist views yeah remember mm. what that that's why i said this is bodily resurrection this is a physical resurrection so scripture alludes so, to so physical, when so yeah. when you're saying that this could be an orthodox view you're obviously also having in mind because i'm sure yourself that you affirm the soul <laughs> uh so uh, I think you're saying that uh, you could hold a replication view or you could hold a recreation view as long as you're also affirming that the soul is there and will be reunified. Reu reunified. De definitely. I mean, as yeah. I, but yeah. what I also want to emphasize, this is my view, is that yeah. I don't want to play down the significance of the body. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Because then yeah. if we, as we're going to see later, if we just play mm. down the significance of the body, mm. then essentially we're bordering on spiritualism. Yes, yes, and that is ruled out by Muslims. By you know, that is by consensus. Mm -hmm. That's ruled out um, because, in in effect, you're denying bodily resurrection. Yes, yes, um, and that was a view of the philosopher, the philosophers, and the Ghazali. You know, took him to task on that. Mm. Right. So, going on to the second question of of so, theology, uh, 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 just a question of curiosity: Did all the philosophers hold that position? Like. Uh... Or like, well, the major ones did. The major, yeah, like, the, so been seen the major ones that count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The okay. major ones that count. Okay, okay. So w we said under uh, theological and philosophical explorations, we'll look at the nature of resurrection, models of resurrection, which you just looked at. Now I'm looking at the possibility of bodily resurrection. Mm. Now you see, most of the ulama, and this again, going back to your point about it not being a problem to do with doctrine. If Allah Azza wa Jal exists, and he does, bila shak. Then resurrection is is not an issue. It really is not an issue. Just like miracles, if Allah Azza wa Jal is powerful over everything and has control and dominion over His creation, He can do what He wants in His creation. He can suspend the laws of. of, of can you see? He can disrupt the, the 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 sort of regularity in nature. So similarly, 
if you believe that Allah Azza wa Jal exists and He's all power, essentially all powerful, resurrection just becomes, you know, it's of course it's conceivable, it's possible. It's within Allah's power. If you create something, you can create again. Mm. Um, so, and this is the general argument that ulama give that if something can be created once, it's possible that it can be created again because Allah has the power to do anything. Um, and and resurrection is a form of um, sort of uh, recreating something again or reassembling something or reunifying something or resuscitating something. It's doing something again a second time, having mm. it been done a first time. Um, let me just sort of... This should, this should be here. Let me just correct it. Omnipotence axiom. So, uh, my apologies. I just know what I got to the beginning. So, the other argument that Ulama give as to why resurrection is theologically possible is an epistemological argument. If, if there are um, mass transmitted reports. If there are mass transmitted reports that a resurrection will take place, um, like, for example, the Quran, some other people give, um, you know, in every generation, there's always been people that uh, in a, people have held to the belief of a uh, of a adoption of the afterlife, including resurrection. Um, this is sufficient epistemically to believe that it's possible that resurrection can take place. So there is that epistemological argument because of the concept of tawatur, which I don't want to go into now because that's mm. not the topic I want to go into today. But the idea that there can be testimonial report from, from masses of masses of people from generation to generation that something is the case. If I now take it on that authority, that testimonial authority, um, then that is sufficient for, for to engender certainty for me. So the ulama give the example from Akbar Mutawatira, mass transmitted report that a resurrection will take place. So the rational argument is that is it conceivable that Allah can create can can recreate creation again? Yes, it's conceivable, it's within Allah's power. And second of all, um the Quran is a mass transmitted document, a source, and the Quran informs us about. The resurrection taking place, therefore, believing it on the authority of the Quran is epistemically warranted. Now, having done all that, some theological questions. Here is going to we're going to get into a bit of metaphysics, but just bear with the viewers. Bear with me a bit; they can see why it becomes relevant. Yeah. And the metaphysical aspects is this. Okay, so when we look at resurrection bodily resurrection we need to have an idea of what kinds of persons are we i what does it mean to be a person a shakhs and i'm going to go through some major philosophical models or uh, theories of personhood and then we're going to see where the, which view does the islamic view fall under um so we need to know first of all what is a person? What idea of person are we assuming for our resurrection, resurrection model? Two, um, what maintains a person from one moment to another? Not just how, what makes you you now, but what makes you now, later on, and much later on, and even further on in the future. I.e., we call 
what grounds your personal identity across time that's going to be important for resurrection as we're going to see so we need to know what is a person and what we call persistence conditions of a person's identity what makes a person the same person across time right so here are some of the main accounts of personhood you find in the philosophical literature and i think you find in the theological literature within islam you have first of all an aristotelian sort of idea um of animalism the second you have body theory i essentially so the, the the first point animalism says we are essentially animal persons i'll come to explain that in a bit number two body theory says essentially we are uh, we are a person is their body brain theory says a person is their brain the brain state so whatever it is that is considered to be the brain mind theory says that you are essentially a immaterial mind soul theory says you are essentially a soul and dualist theory says um we are essentially whoops uh, we are essentially um uh, uh, um a, a combination of uh a body and a soul and here I, I think what i should have done i should have added one more which i want to be talking about is hylomorphism but I, i'll talk about that in, in in a second um okay so let's go through them very very quickly so animalism says um a person a, some entity x is a person if and only if that entity is identical to an animal not a not a animal like a dog or a wolf or a monkey or whatever it is a bird no some biological organism hmm. so we are essentially a biological organism that's thinking hmm. that's what animalism here means it doesn't mean that we are an animal you're a wolf man i'm a bear man or something like that no it's not that is that we are essentially a biological organism and that's what our that's what constitutes us as a person we are that essentially so that's what animalism says body theory says that we are essentially our material bodies you take away our material bodies we are no longer that person hmm. and we'll see this in sort of early kalam views like they call the body a jumla of atoms mm. if you are no longer the jumla or binya structure of those atoms then you are no longer a shakhs a person brain theory says that we are a person is defined by their material brain and their brain states mm. so whatever it is that constitutes your brain and your brain states that is what you are take that away you are no longer a person hmm. so if your brain gets if your brain doesn't function anymore in the way that your brain is supposed to function then to what extent do you remain a person hmm. mind theory says that you are identical to your a person is defined primarily by the mind and whatever it is the mind is defined to be so thinking thing 
a willing thing. Things with memories, so sort of psych psychological states will be in there as well. Psychological states can also be in the brain theory for, for sure, but the mind is more to do with um, sort of intentionality, sense of who you are. You got a sense of yourself that you know you are you. That first person perspective. That's got nothing to do with your physical you got your physical body, your consciousness. Um, so then we've got the soul theory. The soul theory says you are what makes you a person is the fact that you are a soul. And we see this in the Islamic tradition with sort of once Ibn Sina and Kalam, Ibn Sina Falsafa and Kalam sort of, I'm just, you know, I'm just simplifying it, you know, and Kalam and Falsafa merge and you've got Avicenized or Ibn Sinaized Kalam. Um, you got ulama now starting to say you are what makes you you is your soul or your spirit your ruh. That is essentially you, not your body. We see that in Hujjat al-Islam, Imam al-Ghazali, Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi, many others. In fact, after that that time, which marks the post-classical period, you see this soul theory and dualist theory emerge. So dualism says you are. Um, essentially a person is a composite of interaction of a, a soul and a body so you are a person only if you and your body you being your soul and your body are are, are conjoined mm. hylomorphic theory says uh, again this is Aristotelian as well is that um, you are a person only if you have an animal body, you are a biological organism, and you have rational faculties. So you know this Hawan and Natik idea that human beings are Hawan and Natik. Have you heard of that definition? It's that yeah, that's essentially that idea that we are an rational animal. So the holomorphic theory, in a simple way, says we are. A living body with some rational entity. Now that rational entity doesn't isn't in the sense of a Platonic sense of like this kind of disembodied soul. But um, your physical body is your animal body. Your rational entity is like your uh, you know is your soul, but not soul in the sense of this Platonic sense of a separate substance. It's like the thing that animates you. It's like you put a battery in something and boom, you turn on. Mm. So those are those are the sort of any idea of a resurrection that you hold. You're going to assume one of these theories about a person. Now, which one in our tradition, as we'll see, we see a mixture of these. Primarily, we see body theory. We see dualist theories. We see soul theory, and we see, in some instances, high hylomorphic theory. So, if it's not clear first time, I'm sure our viewers can get back to it. Now, now this is the bit where it gets a bit a bit more philosophical. Um, the next metaphysical thing we need to get to grips with after we've looked at personhood is personal identity. Mm. 
So once you you decide on which kind of person you are, whether you're a, you're an, you hold to animalism or body theory or brain theory, mind theory, soul theory, dualism, pylomorphism, you now need to decide how are you going to, how do you remain the same person mm. from one moment to another? Mm. And there are different ideas of identity here. There is the identity known as synchronic identity. This just means um, what makes you the very same person that is you at one single point in time, like now. It might be because you have your soul and your body together. It might be because you have your entire body. It might be because you have your brain, if you have a hold to a brain, uh, brain theory. Mm. Um, it might be because you have that you are the very same biological organism and you have your rational faculties, hylomorphism. Can you see? So mm. at this moment in time, if you have these, depending on what theory you hold, you are that very same person. Now, diachronic identity and numerical identity is what's going to concern us for resurrection. Diachronic identity says, how are you the same person um, from one time to a later time? So from now until tomorrow, or a week later, a month later, a year later, five years, 10 years later, what makes you the same person? Can you contrast that with synchronic one more time, please? So synchronic means right now, uh -huh. at this single moment, at one moment in time, could be now or another moment in time, what makes you the person that you are now? Okay. But diachronic means across time. Across. So think of static and dynamic. Static at one point, synchronic, uh, diachronic means dynamic across time mm. so you have a timeline mm. Mm. how are you the same person on different points in time mm. on that timeline mm. Mm. the other idea of identity is what we call numerical identity i.e how are two things exactly the same thing how are two things exactly the same thing that's called numerical identity and qualitative identity is just that um uh, an object having the same essential properties from one moment to another. That's mm. called qualitative identity. We call that non-relational. So a relational property is things like taller than, yeah. stronger than, shorter mm. than, yeah. more beautiful than. These how, you are how you relate to something outside yes, of you. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. You, taller only makes sense if, if someone is taller than someone something. else. Mm. Yeah, something, exactly. And whereas when we say um, non-relational, non we mean essential essential properties. What makes you, mm. the qualities you have that make you you, mm -hmm. lacking mm. which you're not going to be you anymore. Mm. Mm. So once we get these ideas of identity from metaphysics, we can now relate that to resurrection. Mm. And this is where now we're going to apply the metaphysics now to bodily resurrection. So uh, we're going to make this step step by step. Sure. So we've gone through the metaphysics of, of persons. We've looked at identity. Um, think of diachronic and numerical identity. That's all you need to think about now. Mm -hmm. Diachronic means what? how are you the same person across time? Mm -hmm. And what makes two things identical, the same thing? Mm -hmm. Numerical identity. So that's what we want to look at now. How does? Because I'm giving you this metaphysical background because it now comes into play when we look at resurrection. I'm not going to go through the logical stuff that we don't need to go through that. Um, they're, they're well-known laws. 
Um, we don't need to go through the laws of identity. That's just formalization. Mm. Right. Now, personal identity and resurrection. This is how we're getting closer now. Now, according to body theory, how do you remain the same person across time? According to body theory, there are a few views. You are, you remain the same person from one moment to another, if and only if you have the same material body. Mm. That's one view under body theory. The other view, and this is animalism, you are the very same person from one moment of your life to another, if you have your same biological life, your system, biological systems are functioning. You are the very same biological organism from one moment to another. If you are not the very same biological system you are now, then you're not the same person from one moment to another. Um, what, what would be the relevant difference here? Because uh, can someone have um, a different... Can someone have the same body yet different biological lives or different biological I mean, you could, lives? Yeah, yes. you could, like, for example, let's just say you lose a limb. Uh huh. Yeah, so, so that's a change in your body. body. Is that, that's yeah. a change in your body? Would that count as a change in body? Yeah, but that's not an essential change, right? Yeah. That's not an essential change. It's not an essential change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the biological life means the kind of organism, biological organism that you are. So long as you still remain that type of organism, then uh -huh. you are um, they're very similar, of course, because remember, they're all body theory. You can see. Yeah. Um, one just emphasizes broadly your material body. Um, the other one says your biological life. Now, can your biological life be in a different body? Possibly. Right. So metamor metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Yeah. yeah Transforming yeah. into a monkey. So. So, yeah, we 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 are told in the Quran that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has punished some people by transforming them into monkeys. So the question would be, is that the same person, person the same yeah, criminal absolutely. in that absolutely. monkey body, right? So that, that's absolutely okay, that's where it becomes relevant. Okay. That could be uh, obviously um, it's a very exceptional case, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Okay. That's but right. it's still good to think about. Okay. okay. So then the other sort of body theory, personal identity um view could be that um you are you remain the very same person across time um, if your material body that you have um, has your material body has only your first person perspective related to that body. So it can't be you have your own first person perspective. That's Bassam's perspective. Mm -hmm. I have my own first person perspective. That could be my, my memories, mm -hmm. um, my physical however my memories manifest in physical states or whatever it might be, whatever gives me my perspective. Mm -hmm. So long as I retain that across time, mm -hmm. I am, I am the same person. Okay. If I start to take on your perspective, that's yeah. not my perspective. Then in what sense am I really me anymore? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, these have, these have, of course, um, my point isn't to go through sure, sure, yeah, for and against everyone. I'm, I'm trying to sh shed it because we're going to come closer and closer to see which one within Islamic theology is now the one that we need to rely on for bodily resurrection to make sense. So, so basically, hypothetically, if we were to imagine a mad scientist strapping me and strapping you and switching. Transplant. They switches us. So if I'm in your body now and you're in my body now, 
That means, according to the first-person perspective model, your body now does become my body because that's where my first-person perspective is right now. Absolutely. Similar to, like, this face-off idea. The face-off, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, It was was an old movie back in the 90s. Yeah, well, an old movie. I can't remember when it was, but it is quite old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm um, sorry for our young audiences there, but so, yeah, you're right. So that that kind of trans transplant yeah. idea. To yeah. what extent now is it me? Mm-hmm. So these anyway, these are interesting questions. Um okay. right, brain theory. Mm. Brain theory said that you are the same person from one moment to another, you persist as the same person as long as your brain activity is functioning the at those different at the, these different times. If my brain suddenly doesn't function anymore, then I'm no longer a person strictly. If I've damaged, to what extent am I a fully a person now? Obviously, these are medical and ethical mm. implications, particularly in politics and you know ideas about abortion and euthanasia. So I'm not going down that route. I'm just laying out the different identity conditions. Mm. Okay. Mind theory says, you are the same person across different periods of time. You are you across your your life. As long as you have your psychological antecedents, like your memory, your thoughts, your whatever else constitutes your psychology. If you suddenly are not, if your psychological antecedents are messed up or you, you're lobotomized or whatever it is, to what extent are you you? You can see. So the mind theory gives emphasis on your psychological states. As long as that remains, then you are you. doesn't matter where you get put into later on. How, how would you contrast this with the first-person perspective? Uh, because uh, don't both of them presume a mind? Uh... Well, here, on the first-person perspective, mm. it assumes a physicalist notion of the brain. Uh-huh. It assumes that everything that happens... Um, it can be explained physically, like according to some kind of materialist science. Whereas here, uh, in mind theory, you don't necessarily have to explain it through physicalist science, a naturalist mm. science. You can be a Hegelian or something. Mm. So essentially, your psychology is what makes you you. And that psychology can be explained, you know, scientifically or, you know, in terms of philosophically. Um so your mind could be that immaterial thing. The psychology can be an immaterial mind. And so it doesn't your body is not really as important. And, and it's possible to take that physical, that immaterial mind, and if you were to put it in another body, that would be you. That okay. would be you. It's just that I always thought about the mind being, you know, more than just psychological antecedent uh, yeah 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 yeah. of course yeah. it is but on mind theory one of the key aspects is though your memories your thoughts your dreams yeah your, yeah your psychological okay. content so yeah. that's that's what's being lumped under a psychological yeah, yeah, yeah. antecedent here okay. absolutely okay okay then soul theory of course there's nuances in all these and i know our specialists you know will we'll pick that apart and, and mm. but my aim isn't to it's yeah. just to give the broad contours now soul theory says that as long as for you to be the same person from one moment to another as long as you are the same soul, then you are the same person. As long as you are the same soul. Mm. Nothing else. So let's say your body disintegrates or you, you lose your body. Um, 
what's left you're according to this view because you have a soul mm. your soul is left that is you floating around somewhere um and so yeah the other sorry just to give the other theory the other idea, I, mean, I mean you will be in barzakh right so yeah, it, yeah. your, your body is not accompanying you to that realm so it's you but if you were never to have your body again let's say according to this view mm -hmm. you are still you though because you are essentially a soul mm. so even if you never found a body before mm. technically you are still you somehow you're not going to be less of a person because personhood is defined by your soul mm -hmm. you are defined as a person is defined as their immaterial soul mm -hmm. um the other thing i was going to say and i know this is a fictional example things like sort of um body theory brain theory and um mind theory you could give the example of robocop right yeah. his body is gone yeah but what's left his psychological antecedents he remembers uh -huh. Uh -huh. he was um i was going to say luke skywalker that's not his name murphy <laughs> murphy yeah. like that. i can't remember murphy i saw yeah, i saw robocop when i was so young yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just I, the reason why it came into my head i just suddenly remember that this idea of he's just he's just a robot but what's left is his memories and his, his sort of um who 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 he thinks he is, or what from what he can remember he is. Yeah. But the rest of it is just 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 a robot that's controlled from some I don't know some computer center yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Enough uh, enough of that. So yeah. dualist theory says you are you, a person, if and only if you are a conjunction of or a union of your body, and your soul. Yeah. That kind of Cartesian idea. Hmm. So basically, would would the dualists then say that they're inseparable? What are inseparable? Your body and soul. Yeah, yeah. I guess to some extent, for you hmm. to be a full person, yeah, you you the two hmm. are. Yeah, you need a conjunction of both. Hmm. Yeah, sure. and we're going to see how dualist soul theory. And body theory are the sort of main theories that emerge within Islamic theology, as we're going to look at now. Uh, what was I going to say? Hylomorphism says you are the 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 same um, as long you are you from one moment to from each different points in time, as long as you have your matter, your body, mm. and your rational faculties, your soul or your form. Mm. That's what gives it uh, your soul is what gives you your, you know, animates you and makes it specifically you. Mm. Um, so as long as you've got a conjunction of your rational faculties, your soul in this sort of material sense of the soul and your body, then you are a hylomorphic person. You are you remain a person. Now, some people are, I'm not going to go down this route now, but some people are trying to bring back hylomorphic theory as an attractive option for, for giving an account of bodily resurrection. Hmm. So it's trying to, it's trying to, to use um, uh, this, this model of personhood to explain away bodily resurrection. Right. Having said all that, so we've got our theories of personhood, our ideas of how we remain the same person from one moment to another. Why do we need these? Because bodily resurrection involves 
us living at one point, stopping, then living again. Mm. So then we, we are now two different at two different points in time. So how do you remain the same thing? Can you see? Mm. Identity across time. Diachronic identity. So how do we maintain our diachronic identity? Now, for physical, for physicalist or body theory views about resurrection, we come across a particular problem. Why? Well, if we are essentially just physical bodies, I, if our if we as persons are persons because of our physical body, then how does our physical body survive after death? Hmm. How do we persist through one moment another to another? How do we get continuity between dunya and akhirah if we're physical bodies? What's going to connect us together hmm. when, when we die, when our bodies disintegrate or integrate or annihilated, whatever it is? How am I going to be my same person when I'm when I'm resurrected? If if there's no continuity, what's going to give me that continuity? So, because for the dualist, they'll just say, "Ah, oh, there's no discontinuity." Remember, you you are just a soul. You're going to carry on surviving. The idealist would say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't stopped. You haven't stopped being a person because your mind will carry on." The hylomorphic would say, um, "No, as long as you've got your rational faculties, you're all right." But they might, obviously, because they're also uh, going to need a material body. But it's mainly the dualist and the idealist that get away from this problem. So basically, there's a gap between us living in the dunya and then being resurrected in the akhirah. That gap, what we call gappy existence. How do I maintain my personal identity through that gap? If I, if I believe that I'm a body, essentially. Can you see? So that's the conundrum for um, physicalist ideas or body theory. And our ulama start to give some examples of how we can maintain physical continuity. So let's go into that. Right. So in the Islamic theological tradition, we get the following. We can find in the theological philosophical tradition, we find at least three main views, physicalist views, i.e. the body theory view, that we are essentially physical persons, we are essentially our bodies. We've got dualist views, the fact that we are essentially immaterial persons attached to a body. Yeah. Um, we could add we could add on to that soul theory, i.e. we are just souls. Um, but that will fall under spiritualism. Because if you once you deny that there's any significance to the body and you're just a soul. What's the danger of, of, isn't there a danger of collapsing into spiritualism? Ah, we're just souls. So even, even if resurrection had no body, that's not significant, then there's a danger we're bordering on spiritualism. But no, none of the scholars accepted that view. They gave some significance to the body. Okay. So with that, let's go into looking at some particular uh, ways of explaining first physicalist views then dualist view right how then do we maintain bodily sameness bodily continuity from when we die to when we're resurrected how did the ulama give an account of if they're physicalist if they believe that we're persons where 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 our body we are essentially physical beings yeah if they hold to that view of personhood 
how do they maintain that we are we have we can have the same body from when we live in this dunya die and then are resurrected so here are some of the ways that they explain right when we die and are resurrected some ulama said um at the time that we die all the stuff that made up our body that very stuff at the moment that we die is going to be the stuff that's going to be used to resurrect our body this will give us the continuity that we need so when we die if we died at time tx the physical the quantity of matter making up my body at time tx at that time that i die is going to be the same matter allah is going to use to 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 resurrect me to re on yom qiyam so that's one view the next view says resurrected body rb means resurrected body resurrected body 3 says a person's resurrected body consists of all and only those primary parts not matter but primary parts that compose the body at the point of death so on this view um something of your bodily parts are going to be kept by allah from which you're going to be re resurrected from hmm. not your core matter not the physical matter and stuff hmm. but core parts hmm. another another one so can you see how they're trying to maintain physical continuity yeah, yeah. so the resurrected body number did, four, did they comment on what those parts were brain or i mean or or they kept that vague well some of it could be what makes your what makes you identifiable physically as a as a human so your limbs uh -huh, okay but then there's a question of what if you have severed limbs yeah 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 so then some people say okay well then you will be resurrected at a time well, with a body prior to your loss of your limbs or something or it doesn't matter anyway as some people say because the scripture says we're going to be in a beautified aesthetized and glorified body anyway when we be entered into jannah we're going to be hairless um, things like that so essentially it doesn't really matter for some we'll come to that anyway another view says the resurrected body will consist of all and only those quantities of matter that constitutes a body of a person at the time of death, or if this is not possible, I, if RB2 is not possible, then it will be constituted of the quantity of matter available at death in addition to other quantity of matter. So whatever's left of your body at death, whatever matter remains, that matter will be used to retain the continuity and any matter that Allah brings us extra to add on, you add you use that to make your resurrected body. So let's think of it like this. Think of it like lump of clay. You lose a lot of that clay, but some of it remains, and then you use you get some more clay to remake the object that you that was originally destroyed. Another some of these are very different in shades of meaning and nuance, but the, we can see why the ulama are trying to give you some way of getting physical continuity a person's resurrected body will consist rb5 a person's resurrected body will consist of all and only those quantities of matter constant constituting or making the whole or part of the body of a person some point during their life so the body that you're going to be resurrected in is going to be either whole or part of your body at some point in your life maybe not the body that, that you died in 
but maybe when you were 26, maybe when you were 34. Resurrected body six. A person's resurrected body consists of entirely new matter, not from the person's original body. So in other words, that might be related to the replica model of, 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 of resurrection. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Or recreation. Yeah. You... Allah creates a resurrected body from entirely new matter. Mm. The only analogy I can give of our, our um, viewers is think of a, a potter and clay. Some of the pottery, some of the, the, the clay remains with the potter, but the potter also brings new clay mm. to add on. Mm. But imagine now there's no more clay left. So what does the potter do? He gets new or she gets new clay and makes a vase or wherever it is, a pot. RB7, resurrected body seven. A person's resurrected body consists of entirely the same atoms and accidents constituting a person's original body. Depending on what view you take, a lot of the ulama had an atoms and accident view. Um, accidents are qualities, and atoms are like sort of fundamental bits of stuff, you could say. Um, so if your resurrected body is composed of the very same fundamental atomic stuff and the qualities of uh, attached to those atomic stuff if those those become the building blocks of your body so allah will create you out of the atoms and accidents that you originally had in your life so all those allah brings back again to make from to to make your original body that's for those who accept the atoms accidents metaphysics not everyone, of course, did. Mm. Now, that's the physicalist views. That's one way our ulama want to maintain continuity. Now, the hadith that I mentioned at the beginning about the coccyx bone, the tailbone, um, it would fall under, I would probably say, um, maybe RB3, maybe even RB2. Mm. So we're going to be resurrected from quantities of matter. That quantity of matter could be the tailbone or the primary parts could be the, the indestructible core. What we call al-asliyah. That could be oh. your primary core and that's your tailbone. So if you want to put the hadith into this kind of framework, mm. maybe it'd be RB2, RB3. Um, mm. Now, dualist views. And this is the... Uh, Arabic text from the Ihya Ulum al-Din of Imam al-Ghazali, where he talks about, you know, this idea of us being, we are essentially, as persons, we are an immaterial soul. So on a dualist view, a person's resurrected body will consist of the very same soul united to any quantity of matter in the shape of a body. Remember, it doesn't have to be your own specific body because you're not, on well, a dualist, is not a physicalist, remember? They're not worried about how can I have the same physical body, i.e. physical continuity. They don't have to worry about that. The dualist can, can say, give me anybody because I am essentially a soul. I am the bearer of my thoughts, my ideas, my beliefs, my intentions, my dreams is my soul. And all my soul needs is a shape of a body. Hmm. And then RB9, 
resurrected a person's resurrected body will consist of the very same soul united to any form of a quantity of matter it doesn't matter what you're resurrected as it doesn't have to be in the shape of a body now this has some implications but let me go on to that in a second let me just pause to see can we see the difference here for the dualist the soul is the most important thing. It doesn't matter what kind of body you put the soul in. Because the primary thing is that your soul survives death because your personhood is defined as being a soul or a soul plus a body, but the body isn't essential. But on a body theory, a physicalist view, which a lot of the earlier ulama took, you have to somehow give an account of how you're going to have the same body. You have to give some kind of account of how you are going to have the same body as you had in the dunya. Most of them went for... I guess when you were speaking earlier about uh, when you were contrasting the soul theory with the dualist theory, uh, yeah, uh, I, uh, at the time, I kind of understood the soul theory saying that what matters essentially is the soul and yes, it could go with any body. Yes. But I understood when you were talking about the dualist theory to be, to, to be insisting on both the same soul and the same body. Not necessarily. Um, a material body will do. Not necessarily. Yeah. Uh -huh. okay. okay. So that's why dualists and soul theory. Yeah, they could. Mm. So, so, the, so basically, the soul theory will say you could do. You're good with with the soul alone. You don't need a body. Yeah. And the dualist theory would say. You're. You need a soul and a body, but any body. It doesn't have to be the same body. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the so, same body. Okay. Whereas, whereas, physicalists who adopt a body theory. They can't. They can't say, "Oh, anybody will do right." Yeah. Because they 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 have to look for the continuity between the mm. pre mortem, the pre death body, and the post mortem, the resurrected body. There has to be some kind of continuity. Now, mm. how do you flesh out that continuity? We saw one example from the hadith about the tailbone. Manas mm. ibn Malik, radiyallahu an. Now, which one would that fall in? We say it could fall into RB two, could fall into RB three. So the point is a physicalist is stuck with how to give an account of continuity. That's the point. Because if you are not, how do you, because it's about personal identity, you still have to be you, right? From one moment to another. Yeah. Okay. Now, interestingly, you know, medievals, they come up with the most amazing sort of um, thought experiments. Now, what if you subscribe to the body theory? You're a physicalist, right? Um, what if a cannibal eats your body? Hmm. Right? So a cannibal, this is the problem of anthrop anthropophagy. A, 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 a cannibalist eats your body. So bits of you now are in the cannibal. So if bits of you are in the cannibal, bits of your matter is now mixed with the matter of the cannibal. But on resurrection day, when Allah resurrects your body hmm. and he resurrects the cannibal, hmm. How, what's going to happen? Because now we can't get your body back because your body's become mixed with his body. Your bodily matter has become mixed with the cannibal's bodily matter. Um, so, so how can I, can I get my specific body back separated from the, from the cannibal or not? And so, you know, this conundrum, um, you know, I'm dealt with it. You see this in the standard books of like, for example, Sharh Aqaid al-Nasafiyya is in there. What if a cannibal eats 
your body. So how can you now be re resurrected with the same body now? Because your bodily matter has become mixed with the cannibal's bodily matter. Now, what's the response that ulama gave that we see in, in the books? Here are some of the responses. I think I put about six. Some people can say, look, let's not take resurrection so literally. Why don't we just interpret this in a symbolic way? Yeah, we believe generally in resurrection, but we don't have to accept every literal detail about the bodily resurrection. So we do like figure of in, figurative interpretation. Now, the danger of that I put in the bracket is, is this a collapse into spiritualism then? Hmm. When you're now saying, let's not take these things about bodily resurrection literally. Well, if you don't take it literally, then what, are they going to be majazi? Are they going to be allegorical, figurative? Which means they're sort of, they're, 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 they're a feature of language. Anyway, I put that as a question, something we can discuss. Another response says, look, Allah is able to do anything. If he wants to separate the consumed flesh from the cannibal and return it to the original, re return it back to the victim, he can do that. He can separate matter from wherever matter gets integrated because he can do anything. And isn't this what Al-Ba'ath, Ashur al-Ajsad, shows Allah's power? Isn't that what Allah, isn't that what the ayat talk about, Allah's qudra? So it's easy for Allah to separate the material stuff from one organism or entity from another. How he does it, we don't know, but he can mm. do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another response is, again, going back to the hadith, it's impossible that every human being, every physical body has an indestructible core, what we call an atomic core. And this can't be consumed or eaten by anyone. Hmm. How do we know that? Well, Nus tells us, text tells us. Prophet said we've got an indestructible physical object in us. Then that is, you know, that is indestructible. That's our atomic core. That's our asal. Um, no one can destroy that. We just take it on the authority of, of, of hadith. Some people say, look, nobody can eat anybody else's material stuff. It's just going to pass out the body as fadl, as excess. Mm. So the cannibal that ate the specific material, um, it's just going to pass out of that cannibal. The cannibal can't digest it. Yeah. Of course, we leave that to the scientists because that's based on what Ulama knew about how physical stuff is transferred and consumed and digested in the body. So they believe that consumed material is expendable. It's just going to pass out your body. No one can eat anyone else's material stuff. Another response, some of the ulama say, look, this is Allah's hikmah. If Allah created the universe... And, and it functions with wisdom, hikmah, then he's going to enable a mechanism by which to restore resurrected bodies in a meaningful way. And that would involve um, not mixing up one material into another material, i.e. one material, one person consuming the material of another. Allah, out of his wisdom, will ensure that there's a separation of um, materials when it comes to resurrecting the body from the, that material stuff. Does this recoil into mystery? Yeah, why not? But nothing wrong with that. This is a matter of the ghaib, so we're not expected to know how it's going to work. 
The final answer is to to the cannibal uh, response is, well, maybe Allah miraculously preserves the quantity of matter of one person's body in the cannibal. So it doesn't truly become part of the cannibal itself, the body of the cannibal. So when it comes to Yom Al-Qiyamah, Allah can just bring out the two different bits of matter because he's kept them separate. Hmm. So like, بَيْنَهُمَا بَرْزَخُ لَا يَبْغِيَانِ you know, so Allah has kept the two seas separate. Hmm. Why can't he keep matter separate? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He is a miracle after all, right? We can't physically explain it. Yeah. But he can keep the matter at the atomic level separate. And then when it comes to Yom Al-Qiyamah, he's just going to extract the material matter or quantum of matter and re- yeah. resurrect each body. Yeah. Now, finally, before I go on to concluding... Some, some uh, make some concluding remarks. Don't think the dualist is off the hook, as is mentioned in our book to theology. Some people say, okay, okay, the physicalists have got their challenges, and we've given some ways they explain physical continuity to ensure that the same person remains. If if a person is a body, how do they remain the same person from one time to another? Well, we looked at all these different ways that are listed here that we went through. Okay. The dualist is not off the hook, right? The dualist, and this again you'll see it in the Sharh Al-Qaid al-Nasafiyya, for those who study that creed. Unfortunately, when I speak to many people who have studied in the Dars Nizami, the traditional Islamic curriculum, though they study the Aqidah and Nasafiyya, they don't study the bit on, on resurrection. At least oh. 80%, this is anecdotal st- statistics for me, but Mm-mm. when I asked them, did you study about Ashur al-Ajsad and the different models mentioned in there. No. Some of them haven't even heard of it. Yeah. Right. So in that book of Aqidat al-Nasafiyya, which is a standard creedal manual studied by you know millions of Muslims every day in theological seminaries, the dualist is not let off the hook. Some people will charge the dualist and say, look, if we are essentially just persons, i.e. souls, if we are essentially... Uh, if persons are essentially just a soul, and it doesn't matter what body the soul is rehoused in, mm. doesn't that smack of tenasur or metempsychosis, i.e. reincarnation? Isn't reincarnation the idea of yeah. the soul? <laughs> huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah, point. Yeah, right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so isn't isn't reincarnation a transmigration of souls? You've got yeah. a ruh, an immaterial thing, and then it gets into one body in one lifetime. In another cycle, it's another body. And so you get this migration of the same soul in different bodies. Doesn't doesn't the dualist or soul theory kind of sound like that? And that's mentioned in the Aqidah books. Hmm. But can someone argue, can someone push back by Hmm. saying, look, uh, reincarnation is problematic because it's affirming that someone is coming back to this dunya repeatedly, but there's nothing intrinsically problematic about souls transferring to, to new bodies. Like that in and of itself is not intrinsically problematic. But what is problematic for us Muslims is for you to say you've died and you're coming back to this life and you're living again. No, buddy, you're going to Barzakh followed by Judgment Day. Uh, so maybe what someone would say, no, it's not reincarnation, because reincarnation is more than simply saying 
a soul's transferring to another body. Rather, it's a very specific dogma stating that you're returning to this dunya repeatedly. I'm just playing devil's advocate here, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, I think you have you have hit the nail on the head with the general responses that you find in the theological manuals. So the ulama say, yes, it looks like on the surface, tanasuch, metempsychosis or reincarnation. It looks like it when you say, here's a soul, it's going into, it's going to be housed in a, in a body. It's going to be housed. On, on the surface of it, it seems like reincarnation. Mm-hmm. But what the response is, as you mentioned, is that reincarnation is a specific doctrine about continual birth and rebirth mm-hmm. in this world. Whereas resurrection just is the idea of after you die, you're not going to be uh, ensouled ag- again and then again and again and again. So there's not that repeated rehousing or migration of the soul to a different body. The other thing as well is that they mention is that in reincarnation, the body that a soul takes could be an animal form, a non-animal form. It could be an inanimate form, right? Whereas in resurrection, what we're saying is a soul reunites with either the identical body, a replica of the body, a recreated body, or a different body. It, It doesn't matter, but only once. It's not an animal. It's not an insect. It's not a plant. It's not um, a, 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 an inanimate object. So there are some major differences between Tanasukh and uh, Bath. So, yeah, you're right. You you you, you mentioned the general one, Basam, the general response, that there's not a continual, re, a continual migration of an immaterial entity in, in some kind of physical entity. Because remember, reincarnation, depending on which religious tradition, like say Hinduism, you could come back as, you know, as some lower life form. But but would you say that the dualist would still want to um, heard, uh, adhere to a replica, uh, at least an orthodox Muslim, like he would want to adhere to a replica view right because of the limbs testifying right because uh you still got that problem you still got the limbs testimony issue if it's a completely new body um well this is what i'm saying a dualist has to think now and say i gotta give some importance to the body because exactly yeah 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 exactly yeah that's a good point like uh, because the dualist can't but yeah he's gonna have to he's gonna have to restrict himself here like he can't say whatever body right um this is what I would say about the dualist, definitely. Mm. Um, because the danger is if you dismiss bod- the bodily identity here, mm. even if you don't accept that it's an identical, like it's exact body mm. from the dunyawi body to the ukhrawi body, mm. even if you don't accept that, because the physicalist has to, because he mm. says we are essentially our body, mm. you still ought to say, I think, as a dualist, that you would want, the same body, even though it's a replica, or yeah. you know, yeah. you'd have to have that some yeah. kind of um, some kind of uh, you'd have to give some significance yeah. to the body. Yeah, yeah. And sort of just to recap for our viewers in concluding, before I mention some concluding points, here are the different models of resurrection on the left-hand column to my left-hand column, the first column on the model. Then there's the idea of what personhood model you adopt 
and then there's the um the idea here of uh, uh you know what makes you you from one moment to another and then are these all orthodox and i guess generally is what i want to say is all of these seem like orthodox um except perhaps as we said in a recreation that that's something we could look at and say is it orthodox or is it heterodox where god annihilates all of creation because the recreation view and i don't want to confuse again going into the deep metaphysics but the mu'tazila who held to this annihilation view and then recreation of everything again some of the metaphysics behind their view is that they never gave psychological continuity or mental continuity or this kind of spiritual continuity any significance mm-hmm. for them in the end i don't want to put it crudely here because there is sophistication nuance in the view are we just automatons almost like robots that are resurrected in yom al-qiyamah this kind mm-hmm. of zombie state where our thoughts mind our thoughts ideas dreams um beliefs intentions all the things that a dualist says is housed in the soul this is not really significant for the Mu'tazila because they held to an ultra physicalist view of the person the most important thing was you are you as long as you have your same bodily structure once your bodily structure disintegrates you are no longer you because mm. your structure is just a composite of atoms and accidents qualities and basic stuff joined together mm. Mm. so I, I, I want the viewers just to look at that think about it of course it can be changed you can tamper tamper with it um but what i do want to say is that um if we could go back yeah. uh sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, i'm just worried uh, uh again because it, th- th- this is a lot to digest but i'm just worried yeah. about looking at that table and seeing you saying orthodox next to a body theory of personhood because didn't we say that the body theory was a materialist theory the Um, reason why yeah the reason why i put it as orthodox is hmm. the early theologians seem to um explain resurrection in entirely physicalist terms and and it seems that a lot of the classical theologians use that language and assume that kind of metaphysics so even their idea of the soul was couched in materialist term this kind of um this kind of latif thing substance can you see that mm. your soul wasn't this immaterial separate entity but uh-huh. it was this kind of ethereal thing that I is see. in between atoms or permeates or animates I atoms see. I see. yeah so jism latif they call it it's still yeah. a jism, right? A bit like vapor. You know, vapor is a physical thing, as you know. Yeah. yeah. Your soul is like, it's kind of like that. some kind of ether that's permeating. Yeah, the but it's still physical, like... right? Yeah. It's not an immaterial substance in the Cartesian uh-huh. or in uh-huh. the later Avicenna and Ghazali and Razian sense of a fully blown, individuated substance. Hmm. That's yeah. why I call it physicalist. Generally, even the idea of the soul is in physicalist terms. How how would they then explain that your you, your your body will disintegrate, but you're still aware in barzakh, right? Because 
if that's the way they're going to be understanding the soul as being inseparable from the body, then they're going to have to explain how you're in barzakh well, with your, your, your body. Accidents. Yeah, your accidents yeah. So are going to be returned back to you. Can you see? Yeah, that's Can the resurrection. You... But before the resurrection, aren't you conscious? Aren't you being questioned in the grave? Uh, uh, yeah. you, uh, are but, there people who will, that be who will experience in... either bliss or punishment in the but grave? Explain in physicalist terms, right? Because you don't want to just say this is a... One, we, we don't want to say this is figurative punishment and reward. Yeah, yeah. Right? That, that's, that's like, you know, denial of, of nusus, yeah. uh -huh. dangerous. But the question then now is... Maybe the you, core part is being punished and something like no, that. No, not only that, but you, what, what is to stop a physicalist, literal physicalist interpretation of um, somatic, psychosomatic pain? Uh -huh. Okay. What's what's to stop there being a physical literalist interpretation that these are you're suffering in the barzakh in a very physical, real way, uh -huh. not just in an immaterial way? Uh -huh. Can you see uh -huh. the reason why I didn't want to go down the metaphysics yet? Yeah, yeah. The reason why I didn't want to go down the metaphysics, and you did, you do raise an important question, is once we've got the parameter, maybe then we can have like a follow up where we look at the metaphysics. How then can we explain? In the barzakh, life in the barzakh, mm, mm. in this kind of physicalist terms, mm -hmm. atoms, accident, metaphysics. Mm -hmm. Can you see? Because yeah. that's essentially so, how so, but, but obviously everything that we're labeling here as orthodox affir affirms the existence of the soul. It's just that how it's being affirmed, you know? Is it how you explain it? Intertwined yeah. with the body, inseparable, or is it separable? Uh, but the, the yeah, soul no one denies affirmed. the soul, yeah. No one denies the soul here, okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. No so one... The reason why I tried to, the, re the reason why I gave some of these labels in a different way was because yeah. based on the sort of metaphysics behind yeah. the view, I'm trying to differentiate, right, which one can we put in which one. Yeah. At the moment, the reason why I didn't Put question marks which we could and again this is what i leave open to our viewers we can rightfully put question marks next to a couple of them mm, mm, mm. why not yeah. maybe you know that might be better to put there and this is this is where the discussion can arise and i think the more theological investigation is done uh on these views perhaps we can get a much better picture um but Would what you... we tend to see early on in the first sort of several centuries up until the fourth, you have a very physicalist account. Mm -hmm. That means that we have to try and look for if we are essentially persons, if we are essentially bodies that make us as persons, we need to find some kind of physical continuity between our earthly body and our resurrected body. There has to be some kind of continuity mm. unless, unless you are of the recreation group that says it doesn't matter about continuity. We're going to get obliterated anyway. Mm. There's mm. going to be eschatological annihilation. And then God's just going to recreate everything again. And he can do that. But, but the ulama didn't want to go down that route, generally. They wanted to maintain continuity. Um, would, would you say, I mean, because, you know, I'll be frank with you. Um, you know, I just always, I just always adopt dualism, right? And, and I think yeah, if yeah. you speak to your average Muslim on the street, um, they would, they can conceive and would believe that the soul is something separable, yeah. separate, separable from the body. Um, they now, uh, obviously, with the way you've uh, explained dualism here today, uh, as entailing that it could be any body, 
no, that's that's a that's a new thing. That's a new twist to dualism here that uh, I think most Muslims probably won't agree with. Um, that could be just anybody, but but you know, as you know, us human beings being composed of body and soul, soul is separable from the body. Um, we do believe in the angel's death, grabbing your soul, pulling it out of your body. I think, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, the, or while you're sleeping, your soul. Leave your body and comes back. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I, I think our scholars today don't really dive into this anymore, right? Like in the past. So I think dualism is probably just something everyone just has accepted, unless like they're specialists who dive into these issues. Would you say that's a certainly, fair assumption yeah, from your yeah, experience? There certainly is the philosophical merits of that. Um, but again, but but that. That dualism where we're separate, individuated substances, i.e. body and soul, mm, mm. in the theological manuals, books mm. creed, we it's see that, challenged. It's yeah, challenged. we see that it gets emerged after the late 4th, early 5th century. Mm. But before that, we have quite a lot of sort of, sort of materialist accounts mm. of the body and the soul. Mm. That's what's interesting. So the first sort of two, three hundred years, we see that. Um, and so this is why I, I'm saying early on you see the body theory quite prominent. Yeah. Um, now, whether they accepted an immaterial substance like that is a sirrul hayat, the secret of yeah, life, yeah. that of course is based on nas, mm, mm. because that we don't have knowledge of that. Um, so yeah, so not, I mean the, the soul is one of those very mysterious areas. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think at the end of the day, the, the, the most important thing that we want to do is ensure that we're adopting a coherent model uh, that is not compromising any sahih hadith, uh, any established doctrines and whatever come up, what model you could adopt that has been, you know, that has some scholarly precedent yeah. and does not compromise any of our beliefs and is coherent. Um, you know, it's, Kind of absolutely up for grabs, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As absolutely. long as we're working within that boundary, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know. In terms of concluding remarks, body resurrection cannot be denied, whether mm. you're a dualist or not. Let's say, right, for the mm. sake of argument, mm. you still have to accept that not anybody you want to you want to accept that there is some kind of bodily continuity still. Yeah, right? and so that will still then bring you back to how then you maintain bodily continuity. Uh, second of all. Um, so, so just to conclude, the idea bodily resurrection cannot be denied. This is a, a, a rukun of our belief, a cornerstone of our belief. Denial of it is kufr. Um, what we've tried to show today is that bodily resurrection intersects with some highly interesting metaphysical ethical questions. It seems to my mind that what type or model or theory of resurrection, however you want to call it, which specific one is the one that is orthodox to everything else? I feel there's some, some room for adoption here because it's still within the parameters. Um, what I also do see is that physicalist accounts do dominate early theological works. Mm. Um, but resurrection is ultimately a matter of the ghaib. And all we're required to do is have conviction on the authority of scripture. Mm, mm, mm. And we don't have to create any sectarianism over it. Mm. 
Oh, please, please no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There is no reason to. The last, we, the last thing we Ultimately, need. Ultimately, <laughs> we don't even have to give any metaphysical exposition sure. of it. It's only just to show that this is not an yeah. incoherent document. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing else. So in summary, I know it's a bit of a sort of marathon that we went through. I hope... Uh, <laughs> oh, it, you know, Barco Fikon... thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Barco Fikon for his presentation, I mean, <laughs> this is not the easiest of topics to no, navigate. No. I know you've read, uh, I know you shared with me your detailed paper. I think it's not published yet, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. You shared with I'll me your it. detailed paper about uh, on this. And, uh, I, and I could say for our listeners that I know you've read and thought about this topic extensively in order to have been able to connect all the dots together, especially between the various models of the notions of resurrection, identity, and personhood. And mashallah, you've done a great communal intellectual service here, breaking this topic down for other Muslims. And, you know, may Allah SWT reward you for that. And we pray that Allah SWT resurrects us, regardless of how, <laughs> with the righteous whom he loves and yeah, showers yeah. his mercy and grace upon yeah. us on that fateful day. Um, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. it's the most important thing that we wish to yearn for. Um, and, and I think we'll we'll end it here, uh, unless you have any final yeah, words okay, uh, before no. we close. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, and inshallah, I'll, I'll send you some links of where, where some people can get some information about it. Um, I'll make one of one other paper available soon, and I'll give you the, the links to share with, with, our, with our viewers. Barakallahu fikum again, Akhisaf, and I'd like to bid you and our listeners the Islamic greetings of Salaamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. Salaamu Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.